0: Wow, man! Yeah. Wow, that was great. I'm actually a Todd look-alike, so uh, Todd and I are gonna we do, we're going to do Acts chapter 17, and I have the first part and he has the second part. Don't you think we kind of look alike? Yeah. I just have you know, white hair. We're about the same age. <laughs> anyway, uh, the title of the message is called "Mind the Gap." Could you say that, please? Mind the gap. Well, um, I have a family here. Actually, Jim Deerking here is my nephew and his wife Vivian right here and their two daughters, Ellie and Amy. And uh, actually, Vivian is from England. So if uh, you have a chance to talk to you, you'll pick up a little bit of a British accent. Then, of course, her son DJ and his wife Camise and. I don't want to introduce everybody else to each other, but <laughs> uh, Mind the Gap has a, a relevance with respect to England. How many of you have been to England? So you understand that uh, the Gap, if if the stairs were a subway, they call it the tube, the underground tube, and and the and the train were to be going by there, this portion, maybe a three foot portion, is called the Gap. And you want to mind the gap, because if you don't, you get run over by a train. Uh, So do you get the picture of the train, Uh, the gap? It's uh, called No Man's Land. Guess who stepped into the gap at the age of eight? Would you like to make a a bow? No, that's okay. Our son, D.J., uh, was eight years old, and he didn't know what the gap was. So the conductor is coming along, and he says, mind the gap. Well, D.J. had no idea, so mind the gap. Uh, So our son, we were going to ask get a picture of DJ getting hit by uh, the subway. (laughs) Uh, Micah didn't come up with that. So uh, keep that in mind. Can you say that one more time? Mind the gap. Well, this is critical to the message that Paul gives on Mars Hill. So. If you would stand, um, I am going to read a fairly lengthy section of scripture and it will be up here for you to follow along. We're continuing in the book of Acts. And by the way, your little outlines on this side and you can take notes. You know who take notes usually in these services are kids. They're, they're really quite good at it. Um, but um, the pictures are so simple. And the point is that you could take this picture and actually share it. Because this picture really gives the message on Mars Hill, uh, part one, title give part two, uh, that Paul is delivering as to why this one we call Christ is unique, one of a kind, no other like him. So the setting, and uh, here we go. Uh, You don't have to read with me because I'll probably interject little comments along the way. Uh, Chapter 17, I'll start with verse 16 in Athens. While Paul was waiting for them in Athens, he was greatly distressed to see that the city was full of idols. So he reasoned in the synagogue with the Jews and the God-fearing Greeks as well as in the marketplace day by day with those who happened to be there. A group of Epicureans, we'll take a look at what an Epicurean is in a moment, and Stoic philosophers began to dispute with him. Some of them asked, what is this babbler trying to say? A babbler is is really the idea of like a dog would pick up scraps Uh, in this university town of Athens. There were different people with different philosophies, different points of view, different ideas. A babbler is someone who uh, brings their tidbit of of wisdom uh, as a philosopher to add to the the big pot. So in a sense, they saw Paul as a babbler. They knew that he had uh, some foreign religion that they hadn't heard about and they wanted to hear about it. So they were actually interested in what he had to say. Okay. Uh, others remarked, it seems to be advocating. He seems to be advocating foreign gods. They said this because Paul was preaching the good news about Jesus and the resurrection. These are two unique factors in his message. Then they took him and brought him to a meeting of the Areopagus, where they said to him, May we know what this new teaching is that you are presenting? You're bringing some strange ideas to our ears, and we want to know what they mean, all the Athenians and the foreigners who lived there, spent their time doing nothing but talking about and listening to the latest ideas. Sounds like a university town. Paul then stood up in the meeting of the Areopagus, and he said, Men of Athens, I see that in every way you are very religious. For as I walk around and look carefully at your objects of worship, I even found an altar with the inscription to an unknown God. Now, what you worship as something unknown, I'm going to proclaim to you. The God who made the world and everything in it is the Lord of heaven and earth. And does not live in temples built by hands and he is not served by human hands as uh, he needed anything because he himself gives himself or he gives all men life and breath and everything else from one man. He made every every nation that they should inhabit the whole earth. And he determined the time set for them and the exact times where they should live, exact places. Uh, God did this so that men would see him. And perhaps reach out to him and find him, though he's not far from each of us. I'm almost done. For in him we live and move and have our being, as some of you are our own uh, poets have said, we are his offspring. Therefore, since we are God's offspring, we should not think that the divine being is like gold or silver or stone, an image made by man's design and skill. In the past, God overlooked such ignorance, but now... He commands all people everywhere to repent. For he has set a day when he will judge the world with justice by the men he appointed, the man he appointed singularly. He has given proof of this to all men by rising, raising him from the dead. Well, he's referring to Christ. If you weren't sure when they heard about the resurrection of the dead, some of them sneered. Have you ever, Anybody sneer at you? I have uh, my my. Um, Nieces here. Is that what you guys would be? Would they be nieces? Yeah. They they actually think I'm strange because I talk randomly to random people. I just walk out to anybody and I say hello, and they think that's rather strange. But so uh, some people even sneer at me. Uh, so you know, join the crowd. Uh, some sneered. Okay. Um, we'll keep going here. I'm almost through. Uh, when they heard about the resurrection of the dead, some sneered, but others said, We want to hear you again on this subject. At that, Paul left uh, the council. A few men became followers of Paul and believed. Among them was Dionysus and a member of the Areopagus, also a woman named Demarus, and a number of others. Would you pray with me? Lord, uh, this is a lot to take in. So um, allow us to simplify that we can not only hear your word, but obey it. And so may that which is said and done uh, honor you, for we are here in your name to hear from you. And we pray this in Jesus name. Amen. Would you please be seated? Thank you. Um, This uh, gap, uh, I have two questions to throw out to you. One is, what is the gap? Uh, it's critical to Paul's sermon and the other question is why is it critical uh, to Paul's sermon and so hopefully we'll answer those two in the following 20 minutes. <clears throat> uh, the visual that you'll have up here is a map of where Athens is. And uh, so as that map is up here, um, you will see that uh, it's on the upper left hand corner of the screen. Uh, is there an arrow or so good? And um, that gives you an idea of where it is and location to uh, the rest of the topography. How many have been to Athens just out of curiosity? Uh, some. That's amazing. <clears throat> well, I'd like to go, and I understand it's a great place for sailing. And so uh, if anybody would like to take me, I'd be happy to go with them. <laughs> but uh, is there a little white line there? Because it shows the uh, second missionary journey of uh, Paul. And so this verifies the fact that he was actually in the Navy and he sailed uh, great lengths and great distances. And we knew he wasn't in the Air Force, the Marine Corps or the Coast Guard. So it had to be in the Navy because he handled a lot of water. I just made that up for you that are guests. Uh, But he did um, Athens. In fact, there's an aerial shot of Athens. So we'll shift to that. It's a beautiful uh, port today where you have all these large... um, ships, including yachts and a great wealth. So the unique factor of Athens is uh, just a couple of important facts you can tuck away in your fact file. In Athens, there were many gods. So the idea of one God was extremely foreign Uh, there. It was under Roman rule. It was a free uh, city, but it was under the Roman rule. And uh, it was what I would call or people would call biblically a university, a university town. Uh, if you're in a university town, there's a lot of philosophy and thoughts. Uh, I went to Madison, Wisconsin. There was everything in the kitchen sink there. There were the hippies and the beatniks and the, you know, uh, the fraternity people, sorority people, the jocks, everything. And you all bring your philosophies and you all sit around and you talk about and share your ignorance. Uh, And you pride yourself in being open-minded. And everyone's so open-minded, at least at the school I went to, that uh, as I reflect back, I think most of us had our brains fall out. Because, well, anyway, so here we are is the setting. And we've got these uh, particular names called Epicureans and Stoics. Well, let's try to figure out who they are. Uh, The Areopagus, by the way, uh, is a place. And let's, is there a visual on that? Uh, That's sort of the Areopagus, but then there is a map to show you where it is. And so when Paul speaks about seeing uh, the monuments, uh, the Areopagus is right there at the arrow. And he's really looking from a hill called Mars Hill uh, over all of these different monuments and icons, so to speak, built to the gods and goddesses. And we won't go into what they were, but the Epicureans concerning such issues as creation, Saw creation as simply a collection of atoms. They were like uh, Madonna, the material people. Everything's material, the material world. The Stoics would say it came out of fire creation. But uh, whatever creation is or how we got here is certainly not personal. According to them, the issue of God, for example, the Stoics would say um, that he is pantheistic. He, He resides in everything. And uh, that is that he would reside in the carpet. He'd reside in the plants and the trees and you and me and Luther's shoes. Yeah, I can see him right there. There's a there he is a little bit of him right there on the end. I think it's mud, but it's kind of part of God, you know, the earth and it's all right there. So pantheism says God is within everything. Whereas the Epicureans would say that uh, God is transcendent. He is other. He really is not interested in the world that he created. Uh, he put us out here and, you know, wound us up and got us going, but he's not really remotely interested in your life or mine, nor has he, you know, have the time or interest. So that's a little different on the issue of God. Soul, the Epicureans would say, is composed of atoms. Again, a material view. And when you die, it dies. The um, Stoics would say breath of man. So if you have bad breath, you have a bad soul. No, I don't. I just made that up uh, if you have uh, the breath. So once you die, that means that your soul dies. You follow? Either way, the soul is uh, non-existent after death. Sin, that's a foreign concept to this culture. Uh, uh, the Epicureans would call this uh, at best actions that produce pain. So materially, if you live in a material world, that would produce you pain. I guess if you wanted to use the term it was sin, they wouldn't use it, but that's how they define it. The stoic would uh, look at a failure to attain the ideal. It's more of a philosophical thing, like I'm striving to this ideal. I didn't make it so I fell short. Uh, I guess that's the way they put it. It's no uh, biblical idea of sin at all as far as violating God or falling short or being separate, that is not a thought. That's not in their thought process. So this, I'm setting the stage because Paul now interjects this foreign God, and it's like totally different than anything they've ever thought. Afterlife, well, there is none in either one. Hell, no such thing. And to know, I mean, that this is the unknown. Uh, it's like an agnostic. I don't know if I can know or I cannot know. We just don't know. We're not in a place to know. And so if you really think about that, we can know everything else except whether there's a God or isn't. I mean, do you know you're in church? Yes or no? I would hope you would say yes or you're not awake. Uh, I mean, there's so many things you can know. But when it comes to the issue of God, we become somewhat philosophical and nebulous. Are are you getting the picture of what uh, Paul is stepping into here? What's the gap? Let's take a look. I've got a really simple picture. It's even something you can take home on your little yellow handout here. Uh, The heart, meaning that it's just in Valentine's Day, would represent literally God. And you can see that the gap, according to a biblical definition of God, is that man is separate or separated. It's no man's land. Nobody gets into this. So uh, here is the heart, the heart of God. God loves. God is just. Justice demands that a just and a righteous and a pure God, because of the fall, because of sin, is separate. There's a gap. So, mind the gap. This is what Paul, this is the whole point of his message. We've got to mind the gap. Now, the little uh, triangle at the bottom are man's attempts to get to God. Uh, This is called universalism. I was one uh, out of Madison, Wisconsin. I was told there are many ways to God. Hinduism, Buddhism, Shintoism, uh, any other ism you might come up with. Or perhaps the mystical, or yin-yang, or any number of transcendental, new age, uh, metaphysical, Scientology, Kabbalah, you name it, we've got it. Uh, I would like to point out a simple thing. In fact, this was the culture at the time. And if you didn't quite get there, they had a monument to the unknown god. It's like the cloud up there in the mountain. In case there's one out there that we haven't quite found yet, we we don't want to miss him. We want to include him. So so that's the stage in which Paul is asked to speak on the God he believes in. So he does. And what he says is all of these attempts, he says, and the technique he uses is admirable. I'd encourage you to use the same. Um, He isn't preaching at people Uh, He has studied the culture He understands what they believe And why they believe it So he says that He says I have studied at great length The gods you believe Uh, And I uh, frankly I commend you Did you see that? I'm not here to beat you up And whack you upside the head of the Bible I am here to commend you It's clear to me that you are religious He uses that term what he's really saying is that you have tried your best. You have come up with everything, including an unknown one, which is your attempt. It's man's best effort to try to define uh, or encapsulate somehow, limited to time and space, God. Are you following this? It's important so you understand uh, how then Paul interjects and why he says uh, there's still a gap. You must understand this, uh, that there's no way through the gap. In fact, if indeed you got through the gap, you would actually be God. And we know through Bruce Almighty that uh, being God's not a good idea. Even Jim Carrey discovered that a part of being God isn't just clicking your fingers and controlling everything, but God, by virtue of his definition and his nature, is he's loving, but he's just. So Jim Carrey, as God, Bruce Almighty, <clears throat> was simply saying uh, he did not have control over the girl that he loved. In fact, he was quite obnoxious. In fact, most lawyers are. I mean, uh, <laughs> liar, liar, you know, a liar. It was that lawyer, lawyer? Was that liar, liar? I, anyway, it was one of those. Um, and liar, liar, he uh, couldn't tell a lie. Well, God doesn't tell lies. And when he did Bruce Almighty, he couldn't tell a lie. Uh, But so he wanted his girlfriend, you saw it, to love him. But she didn't like what she saw. He was arrogant and self-righteous and not very attractive. So he thought, as God, I can make her love me. But you see, uh, the nature of God is that he will never force the issue. The loose canon in all of this, according to creation, is that God created us with a free will. We have the choice. The choice. Well, uh, so Bruce Almighty didn't do well at God. Uh, Would you agree or not? He just didn't. But I think Hollywood portrayed it quite accurately. Man, his best efforts, you know, they they were limited to time and space. So Paul interjects, let me explain to you the God that can be known. Uh, Let me express to you where you are attempting to define or create him from the bottom up. I have come to express him to you on his terms. Now, I need to tell you something here. We were talking about it in my class. What you're going to hear Paul say is biased. What he's going to say here is true. I mean, absolutely true. Uh, What he's going to say here is controversial. In that culture and ours. What he's going to say is reasonable. And that's why he said it. But he wasn't there uh, running for political office. He said, let me introduce you <laughs> that you might know the true and living God. This, this God can be known. And so we have the next picture. And this is his message. He basically says that uh, when you have tried your best to get there, <laughs> you can't. There's a gap. But uh, let me introduce you. And if you I mean, he's read the scriptures, so I'm not pulling this out of the hat. The foundation is what you read. Either you buy it or you don't. And I didn't buy it for a long time. I was a universalist. I was as skeptical as it gets. I remember meeting a Marine, a flight inspector, and he said to me, Are you a Christian? And I said, Well, (laughs) I used to go to church. but..." uh, He said, I didn't ask about church. Have you accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior? And you see, as a Lutheran, I'd never heard that terminology. And it was like, put me in a, a strange predicament, because I didn't know what he was talking about. But I couldn't tell him that, so I said, I, I always brought my big, big gun out. I said, well, you don't believe in the Bible, do you? It's full of contradictions. Uh that usually shuts them down, because I'm really quite bright and smart, and I've got all my eggs in a basket. And you don't want to fool with me, except he did. And he, he said sincerely, well, could you show me one? I said, well, I haven't read the book. And I hadn't. I was embarrassed. I I turned red. It's like, but I almost had to eat it because I thought, well, what am I doing? Judging a book You see my broad education said, if you're going to evaluate and critique something, you had to have read it. I didn't read it. So I said to him, I'm going to read the book and I'm going to show you where they are. And guess what? It got me in the book. Well, um, we pride ourselves in supposed academic prowess, but in all honesty, Paul stood up courageously. He delivered a biased, true, controversial, and reasonable message. Take it or leave it. And you will find that too. But I want to point some things out here. He. This is a picture we can all use because it's Paul's. So you could actually draw this for somebody on an airplane. Or You're not a Jesus freak. You're just expressing what is it that you truly believe. At least, I. you know, if you, if you don't have to, but... And perhaps there is something else out there. Maybe there, uh, we'll discover a new planet where there's truth beyond the truth of the scripture. Maybe uh, there's an area, of the Stoics and the Epicureans. Maybe there's a rock we haven't turned over yet and there's some, some jewels in there. So Paul is saying, if you want, you can travel with the Epicureans or the Stoics. But what I'm giving to you can be known. Take it or leave it. Uh, it but it, it will change your life. It will give you what you're really looking for. And I don't know everything. I haven't discovered all. My big quest when I was in my searching mode was I would study all the religions in the world. Then from there, I would figure out which one made the most sense. Out of which then I would pick it. Which really led me to believe that when you think about it, I'm God. That is, I know everything. And a person did say, I'll save you some time. He said, "Of all the religions, there's only four that are personal, and of the four, Buddha's dead, Muhammad is dead, Confucius is dead, and Christ is alive." Uh, well, I thought, "What do you want? You want a dead one or a live one?" And I thought, "Well, live sounds good." <laughs> I'm just saying, when you speak to people, they this, they become defensive. It's because, but so did I. So I'm not coming out of a vacuum. This is where I lived for a long time. But when the rubber meets the road, when you find the chips are down, when you find for me, it was death, a lot of death in the Navy, a lot of young people getting killed. And I found, as Pascal said, a God shaped vacuum in my heart, and it couldn't be filled by any created thing. But only by God, the creator is made known through Jesus Christ and through a missionary. The guy said, I extend you forgiveness. Picture a Philippine boy, you've all heard this one a million times, going down to the river, and there he washes himself clean. He walks along a dusty path, and so not to mark up the house, you know, those ladies don't want their living, room marked up with mud. They have basins of water to wash their feet. When a person accepts Christ, this guy said to me in the Philippines, we're washed clean, we're forgiven. Uh, But we walk along a dusty path, and if we get a little dusty, we do some things that are kind of not, you know, filthy. And so we, uh, that's where it stopped for me. (laughs) it wasn't filth it wasn't dust it was muck it was quicksand I was going down and I I, I literally cried out I said God help me I am so loaded down with everything if you offer forgiveness I don't deserve it believe me I don't bring any kind of a clean slate at all but if this is what you give me I need it and that's what Paul is saying I, I hope you're getting this as clear as possible because he's not talking about religious trappings, not talking about Jesus bubble wrap. He's not talking about all the things that Jesus will do if you throw your hundred bucks at him. It's none of that. If Jesus can stand alone, then he can't stand at all. I mean, either take it or leave it. Uh, his forgiveness is extended freely. We don't have to wrap him in all this other external stuff. Well, I didn't have any promises given to me of any health, wealth, or prosperity. I simply knew I needed to be forgiven, and that was extended to me, and that was more than enough, and it's still been that way. I guess everything else is a bonus. Well, this is what Paul is saying. It is not man poking through the gap. It is God who stepped out of eternity into time in the form of a man. Take it or leave it. Biased, of course, in Christ. C-H-R-I-S-T, the cross. Why the cross? Well, it's where justice and love meet. It's the only place they meet. I know of no other place where they meet. So it's biased, true, controversial, and reasonable. Well, uh, I'm almost done, but I do have to tell you my aunt story. How many of you have done this? I'm sure you have. Uh, back in Wisconsin as an eight-year-old kid, I, I got bored easily. Well, you can tell. I'm kind of hyper myself, but uh, I would play a game in the summer. Little ants would come out. Have you? How many guys have done this? Ant comes out on the concrete. You're not going to raise your hands, are you? You're all environmentalists and you all love ants, I know. So anyway, I would be waiting on the concrete. Here's the concrete. One ant. Boom! Wow! Dead. Flattened. The end of the ant. No, it's not the end. Uh, he is a lure. He is a hook. For I know there are other ants in the grass. And sure enough, within 20 minutes, 10 minutes, whatever, I had like 20 ants there. I knew they'd come out because they have great compassion. There is an ant vibe. Uh, they all, you know, oh, my friend, I was dead. I've got to come out. They have, have you ever seen this? Stretchers, they have stretchers, they come out. They have paramedics, they have ambulances. It's all there. So now I have 20 ants. I'm, bam, 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 bam. I got 21 dead ants. Wow. You'd think that would be enough, wouldn't you? Except uh, I wait for another 10 minutes, and I've, I've got like 40, 60 ants out there. Do it again and again. I got tired. I started sweating. Two hours of this, I've got like 600 casualties, you know. And I'm thinking, I need a break. I'm, you know, I'm sweating. I need Kool-Aid or lemonade. And I'd stop and sit under the tree and think, here they come again. Here they come again. Boy, they, they are... Why doesn't somebody tell them? Why doesn't somebody tell them that there's a guy, a kid with a basketball, he's going to get flattened. That is no man's land there. It's no ant land. Don't go there. Stay away. Well, the only way they could get the message is if I became an ant. Well, this is what the story is. Christ, fully God, fully man, says, man... I will bridge the gap. I will lay my life down for you, like it or lump it. Uh, But this is God's terms. That is Paul's message. Some sneered. A couple accepted. A couple found what was early the church was called the way. Have you found the way? Uh, I think God is trying to show us the way. But therein is Paul's message. The gap its critical because many, including myself, believe that Christianity was one of the ways up the mountain. Just one way. It does not present itself that way. It presents itself as uniquely the way God has chosen on his terms to reveal himself. Biased, controversial, of course, no doubt about it. Well, we're going to go through our little list at the end and then I'm through. Um, um, the yellow sheet on the back there, uh, follow along, pull it out and look at it. Now, these are what Paul is saying in the context. Remember, it went to the, up to the Epicureans and the Stoics. Having to do with creation, well, we already know that they would say it came out of something, you know. But whatever the something was, or maybe it was, it certainly was not personal. Concerning creation... God, it says, created ex nihilo out of nothing. You know the stumper that the third-grade student will ask a teacher. Well, then, who created God? I've had teachers come up to me and say, "Can you answer that? I don't know what to say." Uh, um, God, by definition, was never created. Had to be. He's separate. He existed before time and space, like a lumpet. That's the biblical definition. He created everything out of nothing. Maybe he took something that we don't know of, but it says next, and nihilo, and he created man then out of the dust of the earth. He lumped it together, he breathed into it, in a the breath of life, and it became a living creature. And women still think men are a lifeless lump of dust. But, uh, he gave them a will, intellect, emotions, and the capacity to communicate with God. Only he did that. That's unique. Back to God, uh, we have a pantheon, and we still do today, except Paul's message is there's only one. Soul, uh, people would say, when I die, I die, I'm dead. Except Paul would say, well, actually, Pascal gives the wager. If you're a betting man and there is no afterlife, you don't lose anything. And I said this to a friend, and we were talking, he had cancer, he was dying, he was a 38-year-old father of three, two, three. Uh, and I said, he said, when I die, I'm dead, you rot, I rot, we're done, rotting. Good. Neither of us lost anything, we both rot, right? But if what I say, and what Paul says is true, that Christ is God's way, ex- uniquely, then you've lost everything. Are, are you a betting man? Would you, would you bet? Are you wagering? Says so Pascal. A betting man would even say it would make sense to bet on that which would be a winner, I guess. Uh, concerning the soul, that's that. Sin, there is no such thing except the gap. And uh, we say would, this is bridged by Christ. Ephesians 2.89, by grace you're saved through faith and of yourselves it's a gift of God. Christ, God, not of works, specific. Afterlife, none. Uh, only uh, we would say God says there's a forever. That's a long time. Not limited time and space. Hell? Well, I guess we wouldn't even think about it. If, but as far as a believer, uh, the whole issue of the parables and Christ speaking about heaven and hell is that if you come to Christ on his terms, hell is not an option for you anymore. I'm sorry, if you want to go there, you can't. And then it comes up the issue, well, why does God send people to hell? He doesn't send anybody because hell was never created for man. It was created for the fallen angel Lucifer. And now Lucifer has conned everybody else into, if he's going to violate justice, then when Luther violates justice, he should go there too. So God, Jesus gets a bad rap. God is so loving. Why does he send people to hell? He doesn't. That's your choice. Well, think about it. Uh, No. Last point, and then I shall pray. Thank you for listening. Well, if I come to God uh, on my terms, the best I can do would be keep trying, because you never know. And um, are you good enough? Well, that's a measurement that, uh, you know, we clergy would come. And, of course, we would slice you up and say you're not. If you don't give your money, if you don't do your stuff in church, you're not good enough. That way I control you. I don't think that's the gospel. Or, on the other side, is Jesus Christ makes God noble. One and only. Take or leave it. Now, I'm no rocket scientists, but if I can understand this, And I simply apply this to life. If I did not have this, I don't think um, I I would be able to enjoy life the way I do. Well, that's the practical outworking of it. But is there substance to it? I I hope you see there is. Would you bow with me? Lord, we're um, going to just look at what you said. And either Paul is... Uh, right on or he's uh, a lunatic it <laughs> really is no other option uh, but he sure seems to know what he's talking about and in fact it was so relevant to him uh, that he was literally martyred for uh, being a crazy man I guess or maybe there's something to it Lord cause us to really examine this honestly with integrity and not just blow it off because somebody else intimidated us If there's someone here today that has never invited Christ and there's a nudging where your God's spirit is just simply saying, hey, today is your day, then just uh, may it be that day. May you simply say in, in the quiet of your heart, this is your choice, your decision. No one's pressuring anyone. But if you want Christ in your life, ask him. Just say, Lord Jesus, I ask you to come into my life. I ask you to forgive me, fill me. And I thank you that you, literally you alone, have done it. Or I can't. So set me on a path that uh, is walking in the freedom for which you've set me free. Uh, allow me to enjoy you and other people and life, and get on with a plan that I, I can surrender to you. And here is the greatest adventure of all. At least uh, Paul would say so, and I guess I would say so. And Uh, So we understand that this is a message that certainly creates an awful lot of controversy. And um, uh, we're willing, I guess, to be courageous, like Joshua said. I don't know about you, but as far as me and my house will serve the Lord. And that is a a conviction on which life is based. So thanks for being patient with us. Uh, You're the potter, we're the clay. Keep chipping away at the rough edges of our lives because uh, we find freedom in you. Now may the love of the Lord and the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and uh, the encouragement of the Spirit be with you. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord let his face shine upon you, be gracious unto you. May the Lord lift up his countenance, his sweet smile upon you, send you in his peace now and forevermore. Amen. Thank you so much for coming. If you'd like to pray down here, we will be down here. There's some awfully nice people here, so say hello to them. And be careful as you drive home.